Welcome to the limited series of On Air. Our podcast brings together FemPod professionals, mentors, and supporters for a conversation about career topics. We want to discuss different perspectives and see what we can learn from each other. Today, we'll talk about negotiating salary. How do people negotiate when they are hired? What are the best practices of successful salary negotiation? When is the right time to negotiate? We discuss this and more with Teresa Machačková and Matej Matolín. Teresa is a talent partner at Credo Ventures, where she helps portfolio companies to be successful in people ops and recruitment. She helps startups like Product Board or Around to establish core HR and talent processes and scale these startups. In addition, she supports community programs such as Fempolet, React Girls or Lean in Czech. Maké is a talent partner at Impulse Ventures and his mission is to help amazing tech startups to scale. He focuses on finding tech talents and C-level executives, setting international operations, building an effective people ops function or creating an attractive employer brand. Matej contributes to the recruitment and startup community by writing a popular blog, Lovets Love, recording podcasts, organizing meetups and trainings, or speaking at international conferences. So let's do this. Welcome Terka, welcome Matej. Thank you for accepting my invitation to record this podcast for Fempalet. Thank you, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you. It's our pleasure. Amazing. I'm I'm really glad I can talk about salary negotiation with you guys because I consider you, you know, the experts in the HR field and in people management in general. So I'm really glad we can deep dive on this topic together. I would like to open the floor with a more like a general question. In your opinion, how do you think a successful salary negotiation should look like? Terka, can you start? Uh, of course, absolutely. So I think that every situation is unique, but speaking of successful salary negotiation, I always think about Cheryl Sandberg which is like a role model for me. And when she was negotiating her Facebook deal, I know that she was talking. And when I was reading her book, she's, she was talking about her husband because she was super excited that she just wanted to really accept the offer without like any thinking about negotiating at all. But her husband and her brother, they said to her, if you don't negotiate, they wouldn't like Mark uh, from Facebook, uh, they wouldn't value you as much. So she came to Mark and she said, you realize you're hiring me to lead your like negotiating team. So this is the only time we'll ever be sitting on the other side of the table. And I'm going to bring these skills to my job at Facebook. And I know that you would be disappointed if I didn't show you that I had these skills. And then she got like much better offer and she was happy everyone was happy so this is for me like a successful salary negotiation that I like for myself that's super difficult to do so this is like a successful example for myself okay if I can add to this when we talk about salary negotiation so it could be salary negotiation at the beginning of the employment before the person get hired or it can be also salary negotiation during the employment for example after two years working in the company and that's I would say quite different And also when we say successful salary negotiation, so what success is, because it can be different for, for the employee, it can, be, it can be different from the employer perspective. But I would say like negotiating salary is one of the most stressing events in the life of an employee. Yeah? 
it's interview or the hiring process and negotiating the salary. And I remember like people that I, uh, I was mentoring and they were in a situation that they were like preparing to ask their boss for salary rise. And they were like preparing two weeks for that and were very stressed and told me like, I, I could not sleep because I was so stressed about it. So I would say success is not about like whether employer won or the employee won, but success is when after the negotiation, they stay friends. <laughs> That's the most important. Yeah, and that, that is success and we can talk about it. I will ask Terka how, how you see that, like the difference between some negotiation at the beginning in the hiring process and during employment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there is definitely a difference between these two. And I think like one of the difference could be asking for like the very specific amount and also like when is the right time to ask mm. for like money or it doesn't need to be always uh, money, right? For example, for me, I was actually thinking about like, is it more difficult right now in the remote world to negotiate and the difference between like uh, negotiating the salary in the beginning I always have it like via like phone or via Zoom mm. call. I've never had it like in person actually. So it's like no difference for me. But actually like asking for money or salary increase while already uh, working for the company, it's always in person and there is like a barrier and you you don't have like this relationship and all the like empathy and emotions and it's much more difficult. So I think that could be a difference. What do you think? Yeah, that's one thing. And I, I think it's also more sensible because... Like at the beginning, before signing the contract, so it's actually easier to, from, from an employee point of view, I think it's easier to, to ask maybe for more money because you are still not in the company and you can be more like relaxed about being even maybe more aggressive. But then when you are in the company, then you ask like, hey, what's the good timing? Am I not asking like too much? What if the boss tells me that he doesn't see my contribution as big as, as I see it? What will be the impact on our relationship? So I think when being in the company is more sensible. And I think first thing that a company should do, or I strongly believe in that, I don't know what's your experience, but I strongly believe there should be a process to do it. Ideally, have a calendar and say like, like once per year, there is a big annual review. And this is the time to talk about salary. It's okay. It's, it's now. So if you come now today and you ask more money, it, it's perfectly okay. This is something that can help. And also... For, from the employer point of view, it's then easier to align people and, and achieve better fairness rather than like employee coming during the year with different requests and this one coming and saying, hey, I didn't get a salary rise for, for two years. And this one, hey, I, I, my salary rise was like six months ago, but I, I want a new one. So do you believe in a formalized process or do you think it should be more like ad hoc? Oh, totally, totally. There should be a process. It's helping, I think, both sides. What I would recommend to any candidate is asking what, what is next? Like, do you have any like performance management system? Do you have any like rituals? How can I ask like later or some traditional companies? Uh, there's after one year tradition that you should be asking if they don't have any like process or they're doing that ad hocly. So this, I would also want to know when, for example, starting in a new company, how does that work in this company? And I totally agree with what you, what you mm. said. Thank you both so much. We opened many topics, many different points of view on this topic. So I would like to deep dive on each one. So when we talk about people who are joining the, the company for the first time, and it's the first time negotiation, you, Terka, mentioned that they should think about the amount that they are asking. 
Do you, as a recruiter, prefer when someone asks for an exact amount or should there be a range always? What do you like the most when, when candidates approach you when it comes to negotiating salary? Mm-hmm. I always ask for the specific amount and I expect that they will be very specific and concrete with the amount. And it's also a signal for me that they prepared, that they did their homework. And I think that they should have like the minimum acceptable amount ready to share with me and add 10% to it. And then we can like negotiate and renegotiate uh, everything. I don't recommend a range. And I know many people that they actually, they are asking me about like, so that they don't know that they should be sharing uh, like an exact amount. They think it's mm-hmm. like their weaknesses, but uh, I don't think so. Great. So acceptable amount plus 10% and then get there step by step. Mati, what do you think? Mm, I have the same experience. And mm-hmm. at the first interview, I asked them about like, what's, what's your expectation? And sometimes they don't want to tell because they, they, they think it's too early in, in the just in the first screening call with the recruiter. But I tell them, like, look, if you tell me now, I can better understand your expectations. I can tell you whether this is, like, roughly possible or I I will tell you, hey, I'm sorry, like, this is way too much. And there is, even if you decrease by 20%, it will be still over our budget. So let's not waste time and uh, be open about it. So it will help you and it will help us not to lose our time. And also I ask like for reasoning, if someone tells me, hey, my current job is this and I want to, to make a career move, I want to get a rise. So this is roughly the amount I'm expecting. And I said, yeah. And uh, we don't have to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Let's come back to that at the end of the process. But we, at least we know like what the expectation is. And also as a recruiter, I can then approach the manager and also manage his expectations because sometimes... The hiring managers, are, they are not really aware of what the market is. And it really helps me to tell them like, hey, if you want a person of this caliber, of this level, this is roughly the, the amount you must be ready to, to spend. on. Hmm. If I go even more in a detail, uh, how should the person know what the amount is correct? So I guess it can be based on the previous job they had. It can be based on what they heard from the market, from their mentor, for what their experience is or is common to be compensated in the market. Anything else that that helps prepare for what is the good amount to ask? I think you mentioned most of them. I would also recommend like talk to friends, talk to your colleagues and also talk to other recruiters. Yeah, because this is a good source of information. Sometimes even I do that, that when I'm approached by a headhunter, I open the discussion just to know like what is the amount they are ready to spend to check whether I'm not like underpaid on the market. Sometimes I do that. And I think that's, that's the, the, of course, it should, it should be, it should be fair. It shouldn't be like spending too much time with the company if you know you anyway will not accept the job. But like have a first discussion with the recruiter and be open and say like, hey, this is a, this is a good offer. Maybe I will not consider today, but tell me like what, what's what's your range and I can tell you some information that you are interested in and it can be an exchange of information. Terka, hmm. your point of view? I totally agree with Matje. I would also recommend to speak with recruiters because you're receiving so many emails and the offers anyway, so you can engage with, uh, with them and it could be you can collect some useful information for yourself so I would do that as well I would try to look at some like uh, reports available online talk to the community and people in your network Mm -hmm. 
Great. When we take it from the perspective of you, of the HR people, recruiters, if someone applies who has great skills, great working experience, and would be a perfect fit for your company, but asks too much that you're not ready to spend yet, how would you negotiate in those situations for the HR people that are listening to this podcast? Mm-hmm. What really helps me is to have a system, right? So it's in a current company, in the previous company, we had, for example, a system for software engineers, because this is where you can really expect a lot of differences in what people ask for the salary. So have a system like junior, medior, senior, uh, lead, senior lead, and whatever. Have this kind of system, have ranges, be sure that these ranges correspond to, to what the market is, and then have a process to be able to evaluate really the candidate skills, you know, because then you can really have a discussion and say, look, hey, you made a test project. This test project was evaluated. Uh, based on this test project, we assess your skill level as a medium level, a medium engineer. And for the medium engineer, our range is this. You ask 20,000 crumbs more. Unfortunately, you don't fit into, in, into the ranges. And usually this helps because then they understand there is a system Then if I tell them, no, I cannot give you 100, I give you 80. It's not just for the purpose of giving him less than he, he asked, just for, for, for the reason to, to, to be cheap on the salary, but to explain actually there is a system and based on the system, the salary is this. And in 90% of cases, this really helps. Or the outcome can be that the person says, no, I, I understand your system, but I know that there are companies that pay more. Fair enough. And they will give me the, the amount I ask. And then we say, okay, yes, yeah, so that, mm. that's fair. And, uh, and you remain friends, as you said. That's the win-win situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Terka, what do you think? I think that's the whole point of the negotiation, right? Like when it comes to more expensive candidates or some expensive candidate who asks for so much money, you have like two options. Like as uh, Mati said, you can re-evaluate the whole compensation structure or you can start negotiating. And you also have to be prepare like the preparation that homework doesn't apply only on the candidate but to you as well and you can provide the whole story the context and this shouldn't be always about money so you should be ready to talk about the impact at startup uh, you have also like equity you have shares non-financial benefits vacation perks sometimes flexibility and uh, many many more so I think that people shouldn't get fixated on la- on money, for example, and more of like the satisfaction from the job they will have. Mm-hmm, totally. So you're ready to present yeah. the whole package and try to make clear that in the end, the package is worth maybe even more than they're asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also to explain, if you have a system to re-evaluate the salary, then explain. Because sometimes... People ask for something higher than what they actually need because they think this is the salary that I would have for next three years. But if I explain, hey, hey, there is a system and every year based on an exact assessment of your skills, there will be a review of your salary, then they can feel more confident and don't have to ask for a too big buffer at the beginning. Mm-hmm. One of you said that if the recruiter doesn't mention the system, the renegotiating system or the race system at the interview, you can also say like, okay, I get it. It's a fair amount at the start, but how can I, when can I renegotiate? And then be both sides clear that this can happen again in a year yeah. or two. Yeah, that's yeah. right. One more thing is also that as a recruiters, we should, or HR managers, whatever, we should be able to 
do some exceptions because you have a system that can cover like 95% of cases, but sometimes you, you can meet someone who's really exceptional. Someone who's, for example, really young. So otherwise you would not put in a senior, senior grade, but you see the person is so talented or has some exceptional skills that you should be able to say, okay, like in this case, we do an exception. We know what the risks are because I always say like the people talk, even if you tell them, Hey, do not share your salary. People talk. So we should be ready for that. And if, for example, this person shares the, the salary, others will realize the salary doesn't fit into the system. We have an explanation. We can really justify and say, yes, we know. And we did it for this reason. Hmm. And now when you mention this, what do you think about the transparency of the salary? Should it be completely transparent? Shouldn't it be? What's your take on it? Okay. I think, yeah. For me, it's very interesting. Like I'm thinking about it all the time. Like I'm studying the best practices and there are not many, right? Like there are not many successful or like super successful businesses that have these salaries open and like transparent. They're like some, but they're not like super, super successful. So there's like some point why it's actually working to not have it transparent. And that's why like all the like founders and companies don't tend Uh, to have these salaries open but I actually quite like like it because I think that all the wage gap and everything and the salary disparity it can be closing if uh, there will be an active effort from companies and I think that they should be like combating with that mm -hmm. and it's interesting to observe like various approaches how to fix the page gap and looking like I've, I've read just the article about Unita, which is a workflow management tool or software as a service in Canada. And they had this approach. So they actually built transparent metrics. So everyone knows exactly what their coworkers think. And they also, because when you're setting the salaries, you're using data sources that reflect like industry-wide salary patterns. And these reflect also the industry-wide biases. So what Unito did is they took a look at roles in the technology industry and they were looking all the like where women, where, where they are like occupying that. These were the female-dominated roles like human resources, customer support, and these roles tend to have the lowest average salaries. So they increased the percentage for these specific roles and uh, also to the non-management levels and much more. And this really resonated with me. It's like my point of view. I don't know. Does make sense? Mm. What do you think, Magda? Yeah, for this transparency, I think you must have the right culture and the right system. I had a discussion some time ago with Bratia Kalenda, who's the CEO of Uplifting. And Uplifting is one of the few companies with fully open salaries. And also he explained, like, it's not something I would recommend every company to do, because you must have the right culture for that. Because there must be transparency everywhere, in everything, you know? Because if you know the person sitting next to you, earns 20% more than you do, there must be for you a system like to know like what he's doing so that you are able to assess and to see, ah, yeah, that's right. He does something like more difficult or more responsible than I do. So that's why he has the higher salary. So there must be transparency in all other processes. And also there must be a fair system, which is not automatic. You know, imagine if you have a small startup, you are short on a budget, Uh, you have five engineers and you need a sixth one and he asks too much. But because you, you need him, you give him the money, but you don't have enough money to raise the salary for the existing five. So you create a small unfairness and this can repeat again and again and again. 
And then you realize you have unfairnesses in the system, which is not that you are an unfair person or you are an evil person. It's simply that you don't have enough money to make something like fair and transparent. And if in such situation you will open the salaries, it could do more harm than good. So, you know, it's a nice thing. I, I like it. I love it. But it's suitable only for, I would say, a very specific part of the market. Very few companies can do that. Totally. From your point of view, again, when the candidate accepts the first offer you give them, like Sheryl Sandberg would do if she didn't talk to her husband, what do you think about them, Terka? I don't judge anyone based on like, well, if they accept it. Like, I respect and I admire people who negotiate it, but uh, also I feel with the candidates that they don't negotiate because they, they are afraid. But I don't judge anyone uh, mm-hmm. based on that. You know, it really depends in what life situation the person is. And usually as a recruiter, I can I can see that quite quickly. If it's someone who like is in a, you know, you can one extreme is a software engineer. As a software engineer, you have so many offers that you don't have to feel like stressed and you can really negotiate based on what you want. You can imagine a person in an area where there is a high competition, a lot of candidates, few offers. Maybe the person lost a job. It could be because of COVID, not this person's fault, but just because of circumstances. And then you feel like this person is really stressed and is asking, like starting very low of a fear to not ask too much. Mm-hmm. And I think in such situation as a recruiter, if yeah, I see the potential in this person, I should tell him like, hey, you should ask for more. Mm-hmm. Because if it's okay that today, because of the certain situation, you ask only for 40, but your value on the market is 60. I know that other people in the team, they also have 60. So maybe you will accept it today, but in three months, six months, when you realize that you have less than the others, you will feel like unfair, undervaluated. So let's ask for more. It's, it's okay. We have the budget. So so sometimes I give, give them unofficial. So yeah, like, that's great. You should ask for more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. That if for some reason the person undervalues then that you if you really like them and want them to be part of your team that you give them a fair remuneration anyway this often happens with girls or women returning from maternity leave yeah they say like hey i don't know what should i ask for i just want a job and mm-hmm. which i think I, i i understand the point but also that's not a really good approach And if they tell me like, hey, give me what, what what do you just whatever you want to give me, I'm okay. I just want the job and say, no, 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 no. Let's uh, let's talk like what what's really the value of your work and how do you see yourself. So I try to help them in such situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And in general, it might seem that they are a bit unprepared for the interview if they don't know even at all what it should be, and they are asking like, okay, tell me whatever, and I'll accept it. Unprepared and. You know, that's the problem of being three, four years out of the labor market. I can clearly see that, that their level of confidence drops very low. So they are, they don't feel comfortable in like asking for more money. They don't feel comfortable in assessing their skills because they feel like, mm. okay, the market changed and what was good three, four years ago is not good enough today. So what's really my skills and so on. So I think this mm. is important. I think the preparation for the, for the salary negotiation in, in this case of uh, women returning from maternity leave should start really much earlier. For example, having a mentor that would help them like, hey, this is 
current situation. This is like I, I, how I see your skills. And there is no reason why you should undervaluate yourself because this is good enough even today. So give them more confidence and so on. Mm, yeah, totally. Thank you for, for mentioning how they can prepare for it, even uh, when still being on the maternity leave. You mentioned women on leave. How about women in general? Do you, do you think that they tend to be more afraid of negotiating salary? And, and if yes, why is that? And what can, what can we do about that? What can we maybe learn, Matej? To be honest, I don't really have such experience. But overall, we know this is the case. There are so many surveys telling, yes, women usually do ask uh, less than, than men. The issue is that in the last years, I was working mainly in the startups, smaller companies, in IT, so it's a different population. If you would take a big, big, big company with uh, like tens of thousands of employees, then I think you could see, because you have a large sample of cases, maybe you will, you will see certain things. But in, in my field, I don't really see it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Terka? You see it? As you said, like, there's so much evidence that says that this is true. But of course, like, I know women, I know men who are too afraid of negotiation salaries. I think that, like, in my life of recruiter, I have, like, 30% of all my candidates who have been negotiating. But I just remembered, like, because I'm a woman and I'm I'm super, like, afraid and scared. And I, I just remembered, like, when I was actually applying to product board, I was having Mati as my mentor. And uh, I remember remember that he actually helped me to negotiate like negotiate more or even like I really didn't know like what was I worth and uh, he, he told me like I think that I would ask like 30,000 uh, K less than uh, I supposed to so uh, I actually I just realized that and uh, I feel really humbled now and grateful and I uh, remember that it took like a month to be interviewing with the whole team and then like meeting the founders and all the interviewing process and it was like just for such a long time and it was exhausting And I knew that there are probably so many other great educated, experienced candidates in the pipeline. So I just felt like an imposter all the time. And when I finally got the job offer, I felt just grateful. And I felt like I'm really not negotiating anything. I was excited. The offer was great. And it was excellent. I actually asked Hubert, uh, the founder of Craigbert, like 10,000 less than I asked like in the beginning because I was just like so grateful. I was really, really bad. Like it's improved now. And also like Mati was there to, to help me to, to I, my, my I actually, I actually, I actually remember you because you're, yeah. you're like, oh, I love the company. It's such a good, great place. I just, yeah. I mean, I don't care how much they give me. Even I, for I'm free. Okay to work for, I, even for free. Yeah, I, I, I will be volunteer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So you yourself see as a woman that you were afraid, but you also see the evidence that everyone is scared maybe just based on the experience, maybe men need to negotiate a little more often so they get better trained at it. I don't know. But in in general, you in your career haven't witnessed a big disparity in here. No, no, no. Maybe I see a difference, honestly, between like Czech people and, for example, Americans. Yeah, I think Czech people, we tend to be still too humble, not enough self-confidence. So be more like moderate on the salary why the americans they're like you know i i don't want to, to to jump into any stereotypes but usually they are like 
okay, hey, this is my skill level. I'm like fucking Superman, and this is the this is the this is the salary I want to work for. <laughs> no, let's yeah. go there. Let's go there. I, I think Terka can can talk about it as well. So let's go into maybe cultural differences, even when it comes to different functions. So Terka, I will ask you now. So you you were hiring for different types of roles in different cultures in different countries. What differences have you experienced? For example, San Francisco versus Prague, mm-hmm. Emirates, yeah, Dubai think, uh-huh. versus Prague. <laughs> in Dubai I think that they are great negotiators or like they negotiate like everywhere like you don't have Czech people who would be like negotiating in um, Tesco or somewhere but here you have like everyone negotiating everywhere for everything and it's just like for me it's super rare like it's um, really interesting but Mati already mentioned that that like the US uh, difference like especially because I was hiring and I was recruiting in US for like business and salespeople. So they tend to be more experienced in this and they usually have like some strategy techniques in place. They're not fixated only on the money part that I already mentioned, which was cool to see. So they are asking about like transportation, shares, signing bonuses, schooling, much more than uh, what I see uh, with the Czech candidates. Or like the even more junior candidates, or maybe the age is also also there. Yeah, I think it's yeah. like the, the, it depends on positions and mm. role I, I, as well. I'll tell you, like negotiating salary with American salesmen, that's just a nightmare. That's a nightmare. I, I've had a couple of them in in the past, and that's oh Jesus Christ, that's such a painful <laughs> process because as, as you said, they, are, they enjoy the negotiation. They are like really ready for that. Also, they know the market better than, of course, I do. So they are on a home field. And also in the U.S., there, there are more aspects. Basically here in Europe, so it's a basic salary, maybe a bonus, and sometimes like stock options, but that's still quite rare. But in the U.S., you negotiate like health benefits. And once we closed the, like, the doctor, we, we said, okay, and now let's talk about dentists. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it, it was like... <laughs> And, and all, all the like provisions and stock options and you know so you negotiate like almost 100 items I had a feeling so it was it was really tough. Totally when it comes to the generations maybe Mathieu do you see any difference between the generation Z who are claimed to be tough negotiators and then you know generation Y, X or baby boomers? Uh, honestly not, not, not really. First of all, it depends what field you are in. So again, if you are IT, if you are a product manager, if you are a designer, so you have a special skill, you know that there is a demand for these skills and shortage of supply, you can be more self-confident whether you are 25 or you are 40, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. On the other hand, if you are in the area that typically marketing, or it can be even HR where you have or finance, where actually you have more people than... Uh, than the actual offers. It's different. I can see differences among people that used to work, for example, in the US for two, three years. So I can feel like they are more self-confident than those who just stayed here. So, so I wouldn't say it's like a generational issue. It's more like field, experience, and also like what's the, what's the situation on the market? I remember 2006, 2007, uh, that was before the financial crisis. So everyone was like super self-confident about like asking huge salaries. 
And then in one year, the crisis hit, big layoffs, unemployment went up, and everyone was like humble. So I think these factors are more important than what your age is. Mm-hmm. Great. We went in a different views on, on how we can negotiate when we're asking for a job. Let's just now for a second take the second example. So ideally, when you are in the company, there is some structure, you know that there will be an evaluation at the end of the year or any time. And that's probably the best case scenario because both parties can get prepared, both parties count on it. If this is not the case, how can a person understand what's the right time or maybe what's the right situation in this case to ask for more money or better salary, better package if we just don't stick to money? Terka. Yeah, I would recommend again to ask uh, before you accept the offer, how does that work? So you can be sure that you can always come back to it. I always think uh, when you see yourself that you're like overperforming uh, or I know the uh, performance score exceeds everyone's uh, expectations. And if there is no system, then you just need to be like vocal about that. You cannot rally on uh, that you're actually overperforming, but everyone sees that. You have to talk during your one-on-one with your manager about that, with the HR and just like ask about it because you cannot expect anyone else to do that for you, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, as Terka said, you, you should collect evidences about your performance. So uh, maybe you have KPIs, you have targets. Also evaluate your responsibilities. So be able to say, hey, look, when I started, I was responsible for A and B, but today I'm responsible also for C, D and E. So the scope increased. Also do a bit of comparison against your co-workers. Also collect information from the market. Also, if you were approached by recruiters, so say, hey, I was approached by three recruiters in the last quarter and they were offering me like this and this and this. So this is what is my market value today. So first, like do the preparation, collect as many evidences as you can. And second, if there is not a formal process, find the right timing. So of course, be smart. You will not approach your boss with a salary increase request just after you missed an important deadline, for example. <laughs> so, so, so be ready for the right timing. And uh, just after you can celebrate the big success of yourself or your team, then it's the right time to go to your boss and say, hey, so let's, let's celebrate together and talk about uh, my salary. <laughs> That's about a counter offer uh, because like sometimes I feel like it can harm the relationship between like uh, the current employer and the employee. So what about that? Because you said that you can find the info from the recruiters that are approaching you. That's still fine. That doesn't mean that you're mm-hmm. like having the site planned. But what do you think about this company approached me? I was interviewing there and now they offered me the salary. So I will probably accept it. But then the current company, the, the current employer would uh, come to you and said, so we can pay you more right now. But then like the relationship, I think that the trust could disappear. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. counter offer that's really a great topic because that's something that should be managed from like all sides. One is from a recruiter point of view. Sometimes when I try to headhunt someone, so I'm approaching someone who has a job who's not an active candidate, I ask about the salary expectations. Then at the end, I, I come with an offer and I ask him like, hey, and what if you get a counter offer from your current employer? Would you accept it? If, for example, you will get, 
I don't know, 50% more, or it's going to happen, but 20% more, what would you do? And sometimes it really helps to decrease the risk that the person would accept it. So that's from a recruiter point of view. From an employer point of view, when I have the person that tells me like, hey, I'm leaving, then I think it's really important to understand the reasons, you know? If you believe that the person like sincerely likes the current job, but says, hey, I have a mortgage, two kids, I would like to stay, but here I have an offer from another company and, and sorry, if they give me like 20,000 more, I just have to accept it. And I think in such situation, it's okay to say, hmm, I understand. So let's, we, we give you this money if, if this is the case. But on the other hand, if someone is looking only for getting like more money and this is the only motivation, then probably I would not come with a counter offer. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, it's, I, I do it in a very few cases. It's quite rare. I, I, I don't do it often. You, mm -hmm. Do you, Terka? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but uh, great point. Thank you so much for sharing this. Needing to understand the motivation behind and if the motivation is yeah. just money, yeah. then probably the person can just go somewhere else. And yeah, mm -hmm. totally. We are almost running out of time. Uh, we could go on and on and on. Oh, wow. uh, but <laughs> Terka, you also mentioned the remote environment right now and how hard it is for negotiations because in general for negotiation even when you said in the Middle East for example it usually happens you know in a closer distance between the people they can see the body language and everything do you have any tips on how we can make this work even in the 2D reality mm -hmm. So as I said, like when I was actually thinking about how Corona crisis affected the negotiation of salary, I think that like for recruiters and candidates who are negotiating about the offer, I think it's still the same. So nothing like changed for me, at least like there's not many things that changed, but otherwise all oh, the picture is mixed. So you have like many negatives that starts with building the relationships and trust and the difficulties. So When I was, for example, reading about like, what should we do to improve that? I, I was reading, okay, so you have to have like the whole picture of the other person so you can like read more like the, the emotions. Uh, so you should have like a bigger Zoom view and make it like short and sweet and stuff and always like start with informal things. Um, there's like many things on the internet that you can read, but... If it's the case when you want to ask for the salary raise or like you want to negotiate something in the middle of your like employee relationship, it's really tough. And I think that the other side also like tend to be less cooperative or they can say there's like Corona crisis affected our like budget and stuff. So I don't really have like the recipes here. Yeah, but I understand. Okay. Any, any ideas on the remote negotiation? Oh, wow. That's a difficult topic, especially when you have employees in uh, different locations. And there are big discussions about it right now. For example, you, you have an employee, uh, imagine like you have an employee in San Francisco, and he tells you, okay, now I'll go remote and I'll be working from, um, I don't know, Brazil or Mexico or, or a location where you know the salary is 50% less. And some companies say, in such cases, the salary is location-based. So if you are in Mexico, you get like 50% compared of what you would get in the San Francisco. Is it fair or not? There is a big debate about it. Some companies say like, hey, this is the salary and we pay it like regardless the, the location or should it be location-based? How to reflect 
like differences. For example, in the US, health benefits make a big part of the compensation. That's not the case in, in usually in Europe. So how to reflect this? So it's it, it's a very difficult. And honestly, I, I, I'm not like super experienced in that. So it's a difficult topic. Very complex. Yeah. But thank you for sharing your thoughts. Would you like if I, as a future employee or like an applicant to your position, was uh, having interviews with you over Zoom and I would like to negotiate the offer, would you welcome if I said, you know, I would love to do this in person. I would love to get, you know, more before jumping into those tough discussions. But this is my situation. This is why I would like to have more money. Would you uh, like if the person opened more the cards of like how they would do it normally, but this is the situation that it, that it is and this is the best I can do right now? Oh, oh, definitely. I think like being open in the salary negotiation is the really the best thing. Be open as a company to explain, hey, this is the system, this is how it works. And the person explains like why you request such an amount because then we can have a meaningful discussion. If you say 60 and I say 50, And that's it. No other information like what we are going to discuss. Okay, I can say 55, you will say uh, 57, and then we end up 56, for example. But for me, that's not the real negotiation. That's not the real discussion. Yeah, understand. So the openness is not a weakness. If the applicant says, you know, I'm really nervous about this. I, you know, practiced it for two past weeks and I'm super excited about the job and I would want more money. <laughs> would you find it funny? Would you find it, you know, negative? <laughs> I wouldn't. I think I'm probably nervous as well, like on the other side. Because if the candidate, for example, will not accept the offer, that's bad for me, right? Because I would have to start the whole process again and uh, it would take so much time. So I think like if we are like transparent with one another, it's just like great. And exactly what Matej said, I think it's great when you on your like recruiting side, you find the underlying problem or like the candidate will explain and you also can be transparent. Like the transparency is the key here, I think, yeah. and like more context and story and everything. Thank you. How I was trying to go with the random examples I was giving you is that if the negotiation always has to be just so stressful or if it can be somehow experienced with ease and fun a little bit. Do you have any tip on how to do that? <laughs> It's about like the mindset, like you can go there and think, okay, this is going to be adventurous and I'm going to like train and maybe like before you ask your friends to do a dry run you will be creative about that and you will think about like various scenarios what there can be said and you will be super ready because the friends can ask you about the questions that you don't want to be asked but uh, you will have to respond and you can um, make some kind of game <laughs> of it yeah i would say take it easy and What we can do as HR people is to like start with a, with a small icebreaker and say like, okay, so now let's talk about the, the painful part of it and uh, make make a few jokes and then like uh, let the person feel that it's, this is not something like super serious. It's just let's play the game and let's talk about it. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. I have a few tips in, in my mind that uh, maybe I can share with people who are on, on the employee side as a candidate. So first of all, yes, do the preparation. It's cute to say, hey, I love your company and uh, I will even work for free. <laughs> It's funny, but actually I would recommend like do a preparation. Even if you love the company, you should know like what's your value on the, on the market. Second, when we are requested to share an amount you want to work for, say something a bit higher. 
And actually, if it is too much, they will tell you. And there is always a way to step back. If you really love the company so much that you are okay to make a compromise on the salary, you can do it. The other way around, it's more difficult. If you start by 50 and then at the end of the interview say, hey, actually, I realized I want to have 70. It's difficult. It's too late. So it's better the other way. So start a bit higher. Then if you ask about what's the review process, is there a formal systematic review process and how, how does it work? If there is a bonus, what the rules are? Is it only based on like manager's feeling or is there a process, KPIs and so on? Other thing is, sometimes this happens. You ask for 80 and the manager will tell you, hey, I can give you only 60, but I give you 20 after the end of the trial period. I would not recommend to do to accept that because I've seen so many cases when simply the promise was not kept. Because something changed, because the manager changed. It, it can happen. You can, you can join for a certain manager and suddenly in two months, there is a different manager who will not uh, feel obliged to, to meet these commitments. So I say, hey, it's better to say no, give me the 80 today. And if you are not happy with me after the trial period, just fire me. Why you would keep me with a lower salary? And usually they say, okay, so we give you 80 now. So, so don't like stick to these promises because you don't know what, what's going to happen. And if there is a stock option program, that's something that's quite new in Czech Republic. So I really recommend to read materials to really understand because there are so many like different options and you know the evil is hidden in details so it's better to or maybe to ask someone who understands how does it work also having a mentor is is a good thing so now we this is a podcast for Fenpalat so there are many mentors so talk to mentors to have more information and they can give you the confidence also you can follow Terka because Terka she shares a lot of information about uh, salary negotiations great job for all the materials you have on the notion this is also a great source of information. I think it was a great like summary and great recap. Thank you so much, Maja, and it was very exhausting. So uh, thank you. <laughs> great. I will thank you both for sharing your insights, for being so open about this. I'm really glad we could open this painful topic with you. And let's just play the negotiation game. Let's take it with ease for both the parties. And I'll be looking forward to meeting you again in person. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And that's a wrap. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, guest suggestions or feedback, shoot us an email to podcast at fanpalat.com. To learn more about our community, head over right now to Fanpalat Instagram or Facebook and get involved. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode of On Air, a podcast by Fanpalat.